0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got April Molina with ASAP Cash for Home. April flew in from Manhattan to share how she went from hundreds of thousands in debt to 100,000 a month. If this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, sales trainer for some of the top wholesalers in the country, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Question I get all the time is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Just take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please type it in the comment section and after the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus on just that for the next seven days. If you get value today, please tag it from below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for April to answer. They're good. You ready?
1: Yeah, I'm nervous. (laughs) That's
0: all right. There's nothing to be nervous about. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate?
1: All right. So I started working when I was 14 years old. I worked at a laundromat, so I've always liked having money and having my own stuff. In high school, I started interning, and I went into fashion. I thought that's what I wanted in my life. I wanted to be in fashion, corporate world, New York life. Quickly realized that wasn't for me. But being in fashion, I was around, yeah, yeah, we would go to after work events and I would come across a lot of people that worked in corporate. And all the time I would come across people that were in sales or in real estate sales and they were doing pretty well for themselves. And I quickly realized that that's what I wanted to do. So I quit my job and became a real estate agent in New York.
0: So, realtor? Realtor. You jumped in the realtor. I
1: jumped into the realtor seat. Yes, I okay. did.
0: So you said you were 14?
1: No, that was my fourteen. That was in four, when I was fourteen years old. This is out of high school, my young twenties, twenty, twenty-one years old. But I you, you started
0: it. in fashion. And fashion. You, you, you explore that world. wasn't for you, and then in your early twenties, you're going to the after-hour scene
1: and seeing that everyone that was a realtor, was in real estate or in sales, was just they did good for themselves they weren't in that nine to five kind of like mentality it was they just
0: looked like they were doing they were
1: doing good, good. good for themselves exactly so it yeah. was like I, I i saw the shiny object and yeah, I. But you, they looked
0: like they were doing good but did you find out whether they were actually doing good
1: so a, a realtor in New York is very hard. Like It's not an easy industry. Yeah. Um, I wasn't doing sales. I was strictly doing rentals, which mm-hmm. was good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's good that's, for me.
0: I mean, that's a good business as it's a leasing a great, agent in New York.
1: It's a great business. Yeah. I My my best sweet spots were owner OPs, which was owner pays. So mm-hmm. if an owner was paying my fee, I was all on board. So I would do one or two deals in New York, and I was charging one month fee. So rents are usually 35, 45. 5500 a month for like one bedroom, two bedrooms, apartments downtown. <laughs> so I was happy with that. One or, one or two deals was landing me nine to $10,000 a month. Yeah. I was like 20, 21 years old, like, this is fun. This is, this right. is awesome. But I quickly realized that that wasn't for me. That quickly realized that wasn't for me when I had a situation with the deal where the, the person who was supposed to pay me, she kind of threw the check at me. A very distasteful way, and I felt at that she just disrespected me. Disrespected me, and I guess I felt right there that she didn't see the value in my work. I mean, I was showing her apartments for weeks, walking in New York City. It was a tenant.
0: It wasn't the landlord. It was
1: a tenant, and she had to pay that deal. She, the tenant, had to pay me, not the owner. Mm-hmm. So the way she kind of like we were sitting at a desk like this, and she just like threw the check at me, it it it, it devalued me. And at that point I was like, you know what, F this, like there's something else that I could do in real estate. It was really pivotal. That was a pivotal moment. How for old were you? I was 19, 20 at the time.
0: Okay. So, cause, and I had this kind of experience, I actually had someone where I almost, almost punched an owner in the face, uh, <laughs> in my brokerage, right? Like, uh, cause he came and like, there was, um, he was, lo- he was looking for uh, a, a reimbursement, whatever. And he was like, he acted like I did nothing. I was like, are you serious right now?
1: That's exactly how she felt.
0: And uh, I was like, I'm gonna need you to leave right now. Like, and the tone was like, because if this guy doesn't walk out of here right now, I'm probably gonna slug him.
1: I mean, it was very, it, it, it was bad. And the crazy thing is that there was another agent that was the leasing agent that was f- working for the owner, probably met her one time, and she <laughs> was the sweetest that could be with that lady. But she was just really nasty with me and threw the check at me and thankfully, her hubby was there and he kind of caught it and he took the check and was like, here you go, you deserve it. So I don't know if they went home and kind of had a little argument, but yeah. it was very blatantly disrespectful and it devalued me and I just said, I'm never gonna be a realtor.
0: So right then, no more realtor.
1: I, I mean, was still it cold to,
0: turkey or like you had to make I tri-
1: still had to do it. I still, I had to transition out, but at that point I started doing research. I started looking for markets that I can invest in. I started looking at investments. Back then there wasn't really much information. So I was- How long ago was back then? Uh, I'm gonna say 2013 to 20, 2013, 2014 was around the time where I started doing research. I was still dabbling in real estate um, as a realtor, and then I was doing side jobs, uh, waitressing, I would do pickup things here and there just to make ends meet. But I was doing heavy research on how can I get into real estate? What other forms can I get in? How can I get involved? That doesn't doesn't mean me being a realtor only. So that's kind of how it started.
0: Right, okay, so you started doing the research, And what did you what did you figure out?
1: So I knew that New York was unattainable for me to start. I just at that point, I thought New York was just not it was a monster on its own. It was something that I couldn't do. I felt I was kind of giving myself like top like it's impossible. And now knowing what I know now, nothing's impossible in my in my eyes. Like if I want something, I can achieve it. But back then I was like, New York is not it. So I started looking at markets outside of New York that I can still commute to and travel to. And I came across Pennsylvania, because a lot of people in New York, um, it's very expensive. So a lot of people opt to move out of the city and commute into, into the city for work. Yeah. It happens all the time. Um, if you're on the train and you work, if you live uptown, you're probably on the train for an hour and 15 minutes if there's no like train situation going on, which is always all the time. But if you're commuting from Pennsylvania, it's pretty much the same. So a lot of people choose to move out of the city. They have homes, they have backyards, and then they commute into the city daily. They'll leave PA at six thirty or seven o'clock and they're in the office by nine. Someone who's an early bird, that's not something that you know, can't be done. So we started scouting. Pittsburgh was on the list. Um, at that point at that those years, um, return was about like the from the documents that I was doing in my research, it was like ninety eight percent return on investment in Pittsburgh. Um, Allentown and, and Philadelphia were also on my list, so we took Ash and I took a day trip to Philly.
0: So you were with Ash at this time.
1: I was with Ash at the time. Um, we took a day trip to Philly, and we realized, hey, this seems this is this is a good market. Like this market seems to be, it. it's a metro city. Uh, it is a city. It's a little smaller, but there are people that are commuting into New York. So I know that I can gravitate and grab those New York buyers that are going to want to invest outside of New York. And that's kind of how I started building my buyers list, which we'll talk about later on.
0: Right. So you expanded to Pittsburgh.
1: To Philly.
0: To Philly, and you started operating there.
1: I started operating there as looking for rentals and flips. So wholesale was not on my horizon. We mm-hmm. were literally looking for flips and rentals that we can own, take down, do them ourselves, and then you know make money on them. Wholesale kind of just landed on our lap because the deals that we were buying had these crazy fees on them that I'm like, well, who is, what is this fee? Like, where okay. is this fee coming so from? So you're
0: buying deals and you can see what the fee is. You
1: clearly see the fee. There's no blind HUD. There, mm-hmm. It's there at, your, at the HUD. So it's like, I'm seeing these, I remember the first deal was $15,000. Uh, second rental was seventeen, And then the flip that kind of destroyed us was about $35,000 in a fee. So I'm seeing these fees and it's like, whoa, um, wait a minute. Like, we can be wholesaling. But we went down the realtor and flipper way.
0: Okay, so... You said you lost money on your flip.
1: And my rentals.
0: And your rentals. Yeah, it went okay, really so bad. Okay, so let's talk about the flip and then we'll talk about the rental.
1: All right, so this is where it gets touchy. All right, so Ash and I were doing really good. We we're, we're doing, we're, we we are doing were investing, and we were also investing in New York as silent partners with a friend, but that was just clearly strictly silent partner deals. We weren't doing anything. We were investing money and we're seeing return. These deals were our own deals that we were gonna hire contractors, manage them from New York and we could do it all on our own. How I mean, long is
0: that from New York to Philadelphia? Uh it's
1: about a it's 104 miles. So it's about 2 2 hours. Okay. 2 hours 104 going and coming. All right. Total 208. All right. <laughs> plus what you drive. Um so I was I got pregnant and my pregnancy was very high risk. Um mm-hmm. I was on bed rest majority of my pregnancy couldn't leave the I at one point I was admitted to the hospital 6 months in and I had to complete my pregnancy until birth. In the midst of in us the hospital. Go, in the hospital, in the hospital room, in the midst of going through our our flip, um, and this wasn't just like a regular flip. That's one thing. Please don't ever try to do a complete gut job because we took we took a three thousand square foot home and mm-hmm. decided that that was going to be our first flip to convert um, into a duplex completely for like first first deal. That's rule number one. Don't ever do that. But that okay. was what we did. In the midst of that, I'm so pregnant. So you
0: started. A little bit more aggressively.
1: I started very aggressively. I just went all in. Yeah. Started very aggressive. I'm going to do it. It, it's, it could happen. And I'm the visionary, so I love Ash for this because he's like, if you want to do this, let's do it. Like, whatever. You you have the eye. Let's go ahead. Let's mm-hmm. do it. So I'm pregnant. I'm confined in a hospital. Pretty much, I'm, I'm, I have IVs. I'm getting at least four shots a day. They're doing steroid shots on the baby. I mean, it was really bad. Ash was sleeping in the hospital in a little cot waking up, driving to Philly to manage the property, and then come back and do it all over again for weeks. And then I'm in the hospital. I'm unable to leave my room. So at that point, it's just everything that was happening took a toll on us and mm. we did the number one thing you don't do. You, you trust your contractors. Hey, we're we, everything's going fine. Okay, we're, we're not going to go today. That was him. I'm not going to go today. You guys have it. Okay, we're fine. Believing them that things were happening. Yeah. Later did we find out that wasn't the case.
0: What was happening?
1: Um, the job was not getting done. They were doing other jobs. Well, they were supposed to be doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, had one guy, had a few people pop up. They weren't there, even though they were say that they were there. Um, and then we pressed our contractor like, what's going on? And he started saying he had issues with his wife. He was having all these personal issues. The next thing you know, he just disappears off the face of the earth with $80,000 that we had, plus materials that were already bought that went down the drain because we never got our materials. They were in his they were in his warehouse. And then we had subcontractors. So you paid
0: him 80K up front?
1: Paid him 80K to buy our materials, either bought them or did. he said he had them. Mm-hmm. Turns out I don't really think he did. And then on top of that, our subcontractors haven't gotten paid. And he just vanishes.
0: Oh, okay. So you're paying him. He's supposed to be buying stuff. He's supposed to be paying the subs. And he might've been buying stuff, but it wasn't for you. It wasn't for me. And then he was not paying the subs. Correct. Gotcha. And then he went dark.
1: And then went dark. All right. Very dark.
0: So then, did anything happen in that flip?
1: No, that flip went to nothing. That flip pretty much. But did they
0: even gut it?
1: They gutted it. It was gutted. So they gutted it, and then
0: they stopped. And
1: then they stopped work. (laughs) Um, like you've
0: been better off if they didn't start it.
1: I would have been better off if I would have never bought the <laughs> if I would have never bought the thing, um, especially that big of a deal. So it went yeah. nowhere. Um, and guess what? We had raised money for that because we we had a really really good relationship with people that you know we we have friends with family. So we raised money for that. And regardless of the fact we still had to pay the money out. Like we still had to pay our people. We still had to make it work because. You know it doesn't really matter and our relationships ash and i mean more than anything else yeah so i got to the point where it was like we're gonna pay you guys we don't know how long it's gonna take but we're gonna pay you and mm-hmm. thankfully we've been able to pay people back with interest mm-hmm. even if it wasn't the original interest but for the weight it's kind of like a here you go like i owed you mm-hmm. plus some interest
0: yeah well that's good so how much did you owe
1: with the house which we'll talk about that house because i ended up wholesaling <laughs> i ended up wholesaling that house um lender allowed me to wholesale it and then i sold it to the buyer and he paid me under the table because mm-hmm. we couldn't let the bank know we were collecting. Mm-hmm. So with that and with people, that was the house itself was like about 250, 300 and then with people and everything. So it was about close, i would say five to 600,000 in debt total mm-hmm. with our rentals, the two rentals we had um, that were completely having tenant issues and that's another story. So you bought the house for 250?
0: Yes. Lost 80K with the sub or with the contractor and then that's the total loss on that one. Well, it's not a total loss because you sold the property.
1: Sold the property later on, but still, we still had to pay our people back, and we only made ten grand on that sale under the table. But yeah. we had to—that had to get paid off. So they got there. As long as that wasn't something that was going to appear on my credit or mm-hmm. my history, I was okay with that. But that was two fifty. Then we had our investors that we raised money with, total about one hundred and seventy five. Um, still sub co- subs that need to get paid out, and then just so, deal- you
0: to, so you still paid the subs, made them whole.
1: Of course. All right. We had to make them whole. How much was that? Uh about total it was about 30 to 40 grand with them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was a lot. It was it it was a lot. Like going back to that there was so many things that I could have done different now that I'm in CG and I like see Like what? T- never trust a contractor. That's <laughs> one. Um never make sure never do a first deal a complete gut job. Like that's yeah. that don't start do that. small. Start small. Start small and safe. Don't yeah. go all the way in like we did. Um, and
0: that's something that's a hard one because a lot of us think we can do anything. Yes. That right? Is like, true. I mean, you might have that same personality that I think a lot of us, like, we all have this pro- problem where someone says you can't do this, and your answer is watch me. Watch me. <laughs> right? It is. It is. And so we start big instead of starting small. Yeah. But. We all have to learn that lesson one or have, another.
1: We all have to learn it. It was a very hard lesson. It was a lot of tears. It was a lot of stress. I've never in my life experienced that anxiety that I experienced. Yeah. Um it was really bad. Like days I couldn't sleep unless I was like taking Xanax or something like that to like medicate. Like it was bad.
0: So don't trust contractors. <laughs> don't, don't go don't start big. Don't start big. What else?
1: Um if you are going to do so, do it virtually, just make sure you have the proper people on the ground to manage it. Like not the contractor, not the contractor's person who's on his team, like completely different person. The
0: impartial person.
1: Impartial person that has nothing to do with it that's gonna pop up. Also, don't ever let the contractor know when you're gonna pop up, like just pop up. But don't say, hey, I'm gonna be there at 9 a.m. On, on Monday morning, because they're <laughs> always gonna be there. Yeah. So that's just that. Or that's just cool.
0: tell them all the time you're gonna be there when you're not. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So all in all, first deal, how much debt?
1: <sighs> Total 250, 40 grand, 175 with investors. And 175
0: was for the, for the rehab?
1: No, that was, that was what we took from investors for rehab, first draw, um, and then like cost.
0: Okay. And then you also lost money on rentals. Yes. How'd you do that?
1: Oh, so Philly is very block by block. Well, back then, so you can have a street with really nice houses and then around the corner, it's not so nice. They will, if your house is on that bad street, they don't care about the comps that are around the corner.
0: No, that's the way it is, street by street. That's
1: just very street by street. Yeah. I went with the mentality like it's kind of like New York again. I was not properly educated, so I went with the mentality like it's gonna sell. Like why not? It's a great property. Like we and it was also a home we did a gut job on. It was a rental that did not look like what it looked now. Like it looked after we were done. I mean we shifted staircases and everything Mm -hmm. because the staircases were like right smack when you open the door. So I was like I want the staircases on the right. So Mm -hmm. we completely did like a full gut job. And then it wasn't selling at the price that we wanted it to sell. So that was a deal that those were both rentals. Those were two deals that we sold and I actually had to come, we had to come with money to the table just to like get out of the loan and just walk away with it because we were also self-managing those rentals and that's another thing I so learned. So it was two of them? Two of them dealing and, with tenants.
0: So did you rehab both of them? The same way?
1: Well, one All was in? less gut. The other one was full gut. <laughs>
0: All right.
1: First three deals just... Not so what you, want to do. you mean
0: you you were swinging for the fences?
1: I I wanted to do whatever was going to get me to into real estate. I was going to take it to the top. That was just my model. Like oh, I mean,
0: in. but you were you were, you were swinging for grand slams. you were not you're not doing singles, and you did it three times, right out of the gate, and that's how you got this six hundred thousand.
1: Yeah, insane amount of debt.
0: And how much period of time?
1: Um, that was probably in a span of like a year and a half
0: a year and a half. So I just want to just kind of like recap it for everyone that's watching. So you start off in fashion, you see what real estate agents do. They do the real estate agent thing and like, this actually sucks.
1: It sucks. <laughs>
0: There's a better way. Well,
1: it doesn't really suck. It's just, I feel like people don't think that you're worth what you're doing. You're not valued. You're not valued as a realtor. So right. I'm sorry to say guys.
0: It's <sighs> the way It is. <laughs> and then you go and you go to Philly. Swing for the fences. Major. Struck out. Bad. Like there's three strikeouts. And then what?
1: Then at that point, I was.
0: On oh, all of this while you were in the hospital.
1: While I'm in the hospital. At that point now, I'm out of the hospital. I've given birth, had a C-section, so completely had to recover my son. It was, it was bad, it was a very high risk pregnancy. I mean, the operation itself was like major. Um, so we come out of it dealing with all this mess that now we have to clean up um, I needed to find a solution I there there was something had to happen there's no way that there's so many people that are successful that are doing this and it's not working for me like something has to give so while I was in the hospital I actually in my hospital room I have a picture of it I'll show you I turned my hospital room into an office I had a printer I had desk I had a board and I would work from there. I my nurses would come and take my pressure and they would wonder, why is your pressure so hard high if you're sitting down? They would that's also how I killed my time. Because I was there for weeks. Yeah. I would wake up, do my routine, and then work. So get out of the hospital. I have tons of information from YouTube University, everything's everywhere, but I want to put it together. Like, how can I put this together? Yeah. But at that point. Carlos and Sal were having their 2018 uh, first all-in event where I think Donovan was there, Keith was there, Tiffany was there. Uh, there was a few a of us. A lot of there. people. A lot of people there. were starting in that room, um, and it was happened to be that it was on my son's first birthday weekend, and I missed my son's first birthday to go to that event. That even Carlos made me get up in the middle of the room and say. He said, you know, everyone here, you guys are sacrificing. There was a few people that sacrificed things and I was one of them and he asked to get up and say, what are you sacrificing? Did he know? He knew. Okay. And I was like, well, it's actually my son's birthday today and he's turning one and I'm here.
0: Yeah, it's powerful.
1: Powerful. But I knew that it was a way for for him, for his life. So I did what I had to do.
0: So from there, so this is 18 you said?
1: 2018.
0: From 2018. So then that's when you transitioned
1: into wholesale Into wholesale. into wholesale. I got I had all the pieces. I just had to put it together. I it had to come together.
0: But you already knew about wholesaling. I knew about of the, properties you bought.
1: <laughs> the properties I bought.
0: But you never went down that route because I, you were busy.
1: I was busy. And I, it, you know, it's different to see a HUD and to see a fee. But what's the operation behind it? Like, I didn't know that part. So well,
0: most flippers don't. <laughs>
1: What's the operation behind that? How do I how do I get these fees without doing anything? I mean, yeah. the people the person who the people who were selling us the houses were collecting these checks and I'm dealing with all the stress. So mm-hmm. it's like something has to give. Like this is not this is not adding up. Right. And that's when I went to that event and, you know, Ash stayed behind because again, I'm I kind of have the vision of what we wanted. Um, so I wanted to go exactly and piece everything together. And yep. I was in that event, uh, just making sure that everything that was there was coming together and piecing together.
0: So we had Carlos Reyes, Alex Signs, uh, Sasha Kier. They're running this event. What did you take away from that event, and then what was the first thing you did after that?
1: Um, so first thing I took from that event is definitely make sure you have proper data, um, and then have your systems in place to make sure that you're 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 maximizing on your data. So I knew off the bat that I wanted to hire callers. So I learned how to do that, how to hire callers. We first started with CallGeek. So we hired CallGeek, and then I kind of learned what they did. So then we're like, all right, now we can do this on our own. (laughs) I took away from them. So I was like, all right, I can do this on my own. Um, And we started hiring callers overseas in the Philippines and making sure our web form was properly submitted. You know, what I, I expected from them when they submitted leads. Kind of kept the same model that call geeks had when they were Mm -hmm. submit leads, but I added a few more things and changed a few more things around um, so that it could work for us. But basically it was the data and learning how to systemize the process.
0: Gotcha. And then how much longer from that event into your first wholesale deal?
1: That event was in September. We probably had... um, I'm gonna say three deals by like October, November.
0: So pretty quick.
1: It was pretty quick. I mean, I don't think it was because we went through so much, but it, yeah, it was We it was pretty quick.
0: So were you doing it in Philly or New York?
1: We were doing it in Philly, 100% Philly. 100% New York Philly. was like not even in my radar right now. Like at that point, I'm just like, New York is unattainable for me. I don't even wanna start here.
0: Okay, so what was it like, you said you did three deals and pretty much sounds like the first month, or what, what were those deals like?
1: They were two shells. Damn, I can't remember. They were two shells, and I think, like, a regular deal. One was, like, they were, like, small fees. At that point, we were, like, five. This was before we learned how to negotiate hard. Mm -hmm. So, we were, like, five, seven, like, $10,000 deals. Um, And then there's one deal where this, uh, it was a lady. Out of one of the three deals, a lady, her daughter, got killed in that house. Um, And she didn't want to sell to anyone else. So... For some reason, forsaken reason, she she felt comfortable with us, with the team that we had, and she went ahead with the sale that was a $22,000 spread. Gotcha. I, would forever, I would never forget that house because it was very eerie going inside that house when she mentioned, like, my daughter passed away in this room that you're standing in.
0: Was it eerie before she said that?
1: It felt very eerie. And okay. then we had to go back because we had to board the house in the night and no one wanted to go inside the house. Oh, yeah. I was like, no one. She was actually murdered in that house by her boyfriend. Yeah.
0: And we flipped those
1: houses. And we flipped them and actually sold it. That was the funniest. It's not funny, but one of my buyers was ready to buy it. He was like, do you know this is like the murder house? I'm not buying this house. No one's going to want to live here once they know what happened in this home. But it actually sold. Like the end buyer flipped it and it was really nice.
0: We flipped a house some time ago. And like in Arizona, you're actually not required to disclose. Oh. Right? You're not required to disclose a crime or anything like that. Or if anyone's Lucky. died. But for me, I was like, if I'm gonna sell this, like it's, I'm putting my name on this, like I'm gonna tell them. It's like, hey, just so you guys know. And um, they're like, okay, well, I'll just take 5,000 off the price. Like, okay, <laughs> if that's all it's gonna take, then fine. Yeah. As long as you guys know, but like it was like a murder-suicide, you know? Like the guy, uh what was he? He killed his girlfriend, I think they're two dogs, and then he killed himself.
1: Well, her story was actually on IDTV, ID TV. Mm-hmm. ID. Um, he, was, he, he tortured her for days and then set her on fire. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's. So it was very eerie.
0: Yeah. All right. So you wholesaled that one. And so 2019, it was a smooth sailing.
1: 2019, we, I remember we're in a lot of debt. So 2019, I, I took on, that's another thing, like what I've learned. I took on a partnership that I probably would have never taken um, if it wasn't based on like what I, we were going through. And I just kind of wanted help and I needed operational help. So, it was going well. Like we had a really good we had an in-house team. There was a few people working in the office. Everything was going really good. We were getting a lot of deals, but it was like our margins were not there. Like we were making we were making good money, but we were spending just as much. Like mm-hmm. we were trained in the next mastermind we went to with with Ralph to like scale scale scale. Like you have to make sure you're putting money first, don't profit first. Like you if you want to make two hundred thousand you have to spend a month, you have to spend twenty percent or more. Like we were trained like that. So we were like making and dumping right in. Like, all right, let's buy ten thousand dollars de- of data this month. Let's let's up it next month mm-hmm. to twenty. Then that quickly like that was another thing where I realized like this isn't working
0: yeah. at all. So before we get into that, um, partnership, you entered and left. We don't have to name any names. Of course. Uh what were you expecting in the partnership? Where did it go south?
1: Um, honestly, I, I was expecting a partnership where we can build. Um, where it went wrong, it was just we had two different mindsets. We had two different visions of what we wanted. Uh, you know, I don't want to name drop or mm-hmm. cause it's so long ago. Yeah. Um, it was just a matter of different different mindsets, like different visions that we both wanted for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't make sense for. Both did you of know us.
0: that going in?
1: No, I did not know that going in because I kind of. Um, Brought that person into the world of 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 real estate. Mm. Um, kind of wanted to, you know. We 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 had a sit down. Um, I was like, all right, you want to come work with me? Like, this is what's going on. Like, this is what I'm currently dealing with. I'm in a lot of debt. Like, I'm in a lot of debt. <laughs> my banker even was like, you know, you're buying into debt. Like, but it's okay. Um, all in. Like, you know, let's do it. We're gonna figure it out. And mm. I knew I knew that from my mindset, I would figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I think that the person that I partnered up with wasn't really, you know, believing that or maybe she wasn't, she didn't see it. Um, So
0: was it a situation where your vision was bigger than hers or was it a situation her vision was bigger than yours or it was just two completely different different visions?
1: Completely different visions, completely different visions. I was quickly realizing, remember that year, we're making deals, we're making deals and it's like we're spending just, like we're spending amounts of money out. So Mm -hmm. it's like our expenses are kind of like, our margins are not there. I quickly realized, that we can have a really good system with where it's it's tighter, it's smaller, um, and just maximize on what you have. Maximize on your data. Offer. What kind of
0: margins were you having?
1: Oh my God, they were bad. I mean, it, if anything, we were like at like 10, 20 or like less. Yeah, it was bad.
0: Yeah. It was bad. So, what did you not like about that?
1: I didn't like the overhead. Mm-hmm. I did not like, Knowing that it was X amount of dollars coming out, and like we're not really seeing it um, after everything's being paid off because we didn't have that profit first mentality. So it's like, pay everyone, invest in the company, leaders eat last, keep yeah, and then keep the scraps for last. So, yeah. like, that wasn't really panning out for us. Um, and I quickly realized that you know, we don't really need to have that. Then there's certain people that I've listened to throughout my life as in in podcasts. Like, one podcast I listened to was Jared, Jared with mm-hmm. Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, he learned to have a very systemized, small team, lean machine, as he would say. This was like I think bigger pockets, like 2017, 2018. So I'm like, all right, he's on to something. Yeah. Like that's kind of the philosophy I want to go to. Then I was seeing all these dead deals that we were killing because of like dirty titles or like they were just not making sense or they're over leveraged, so we're completely killing them. Then I heard Uncle Carl. So I'm like, wait, <laughs> something can happen with these deals. Like yeah. there's actually a solution to this. Mm-hmm. So when I walked away from that partnership, we like left, I left everything. We just walked, I walked away. I walked out with no team, no anything. Oh,
0: so you just just all right.
1: disappeared. Left cold callers, assistants, everything. Um, this was like June or something of like 2019. And I, but all I left with was a list of dead deals. Mm-hmm. So then I left that office. I went to a lunch meeting, had a conversation about subject twos. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. I have this one seller who has three properties in that table at lunch. I called the seller and he was like, yeah, come tomorrow. $5,000, three properties.
0: Nice.
1: Deed it over to us. Yeah.
0: Oh, so you paid him 5000 For three properties. For three properties. It's not it's too bad.
1: Not too bad. Yeah. Deeded it over to us. There was some debt on it, some taxes. Buyer wasn't, was okay with it flip that Four. 40,000
0: nice yeah so it's pretty good start
1: and I was like there's something to this creative but at that point it was like very like fluffy but yeah. I knew there was something because Uncle Carl Dave day were like really big to me mm-hmm. I had I still have their numbers like I was reaching out to them like can you help me with this that's I joined Uncle Carl's mastermind yeah um, even way before he was in CG so I learned a lot from him and I'm like okay I have to maximize on these Trifectas, as he calls them. Right. <laughs>
0: um, I I, I want to touch on something here because you mentioned very low margins, and then you margin, mentioned profit first. And I think that one of the things that there's like multiple stages in this industry. Uh, the first is like this real, this whole this can't be real, right? Like that's like the first thing. And then it's like okay, well I can do this. And then after you do one, there's like I got to go all in. I got to dump everything in, and I can't pay myself. And you learn after how long? Like that is not a good idea.
1: Uh, June 2019, then that's not a good idea.
0: <laughs> so not very long.
1: Not very long,
0: right? And and the reason why is that that works until you have a shift in the winds or this and that, and now your 10% goes to zero instantly or negative. So we always encourage people to pay themselves first, have a higher profitable, higher profitable business. So I'm glad that you.
1: Yeah, because that was remember we were still in debt, so. At that point I was really in real estate and I had to build a buyers list, um, doing deals like JV deals. Like I was doing everything mm-hmm. like I was doing anything and everything to make money, to figure it out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I wasn't paying myself off of that company, but I'm just doing anything and everything in real estate, putting deals together, syndicating like people like you and you you want to buy, you wanna sell, like I need a I need a I need I need a commission. Right. Like I was coined, I did a few deals with like Ralph. And like his dispo, like I was known as like, you gave me a deal, give me 24 hours, I'm gonna stamp an extra 40 grand on that deal and commission, like (laughs) legendary for that.
0: Yeah, wow, that's pretty good. Um, So how'd you go from this right here where you start on your own again to?
1: Our lean kind of machine.
0: Or lean in 100K k month, 100K months.
1: So left June 2019, uh, June, July, uh, we kind of broke the whole company off, so I had like we had like a, a final payout. So that payout right there, when I I I we got our office and we hired within a month. Like I already knew our I already had our system dialed dialed in as far as like what I needed to get right in running. I need I had data. I knew I needed my call systems. I needed my CRM, and I just needed my people hounding my leads. So in a month we set all of that up, and then from September to um to September to December of 2019, that, those months, we made 200 grand in that amount. Wow. Just went straight all in, like completely in, great deals, big spreads. I learned, we learned how to negotiate better. Um, and Ash is actually really good. Like I threw him into acquisitions. Mm. He wasn't, wasn't gifted for that. He didn't think he had it in him, but he ended That's up That's surprising. He, he he actually became a really good negotiator. Yeah. I mean, he has no shame in like coming in and like creating these big spreads.
0: So let's talk about that. So you attribute a lot of your success to negotiating better. What were some tips for someone who's listening, like negotiation tips?
1: I mean honestly going into negotiations number 1 is just don't ever be afraid to deliver the deal deliver mm-hmm. the numbers I mean when we're calling sellers we're we're letting them know like this is what we can do for you this is what our company can offer mm-hmm. these are our solutions it might work it might not um you know we're going we're, we definitely use the anchor like you know we're going to use tactics like well we see people are paying x amount of dollars in this neighborhood I'm not saying I'm going to pay you that I'm just telling you that's what they're paying yeah just to kind of get their head around mm-hmm. but most importantly we use what their what is their issues what can we do to fix it and how can we deliver so that right there you're setting that expectation you're going to have a homeowner that's going to be very open to listening to you and talking yeah. to you and you know we're also going to define what we can do so mm-hmm. in negotiations it really comes down to not being afraid to deliver you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work it's on to the next but if you go with that mindset of like constantly thinking about the number, like the what ifs, you're, you're gonna be scared. And it's like, this is what we can deliver based on X, Y, and Z. We're gonna prove why. We're gonna say why we can deliver this. These are the comps, this is what's working, this is what's not, this is what we can do. Mm-hmm. But once you've set that expectation and you know, you 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 show the seller what you can offer, I mean, it's either you or another company that's not gonna perform. So right. the chances are they're gonna come to you.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so that was 2019.
1: 2019, 2020.
0: Okay, so let's talk about last year. So, at which point did you join Collective Genius?
1: Um, uh, I joined April twenty twenty. That was my first meetup.
0: So we joined at the same time. We did. Sounds like it. I think I, I think, I, I, think I joined in March.
1: March one of those. It was March yeah. or April.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay.
1: But you weren't there. It was when COVID COVID was really happening, so everyone okay. was so disappearing.
0: Yeah, I joined right after the COVID crisis
1: no it was like full-blown happening like well like we were like go in the room and then go back and it was like 10 more people have left then like we would go for break and come back and it was like less people in the room Really, so everyone I was just
0: rescheduling their flights so
1: everyone was like in the back rescheduling because well,
0: they didn't know if they'd be able to go home
1: i mean we were at a point where we were we were in san diego ash was looking to rent a car to drive to new york because the day after we left they shut down flights oh after we left San Diego, they shut down all flights. So yeah. we were like, we thought we were going to have to drive to New York. <laughs> I mean, we were going to have to do it. We had to get back home to our son. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you joined right before I did. Um, why did you join Collective Genius?
1: I wanted to be in a mastermind that not only could give me the systems and the processes, but can kind of narrate like where we want to go in business. I mean, think about it. We just went through like serious amount of debt. So we went through
0: a crazy roller coaster
1: it was it was very emotional and i was very scared to jump into rentals flips like i was like let's stick to Hostel. It's very safe like why not but i knew that there was more to it and i just had to kind of get the education so i actually talked to billy billy ross mm. and i was like i want to be in a mastermind that can deliver x y and z to me he was like you know i think you should you'll be a perfect fit for this mastermind like you're you know and, and ronda i love her um they both were like you would feel you would be right at home in this yeah. like this is exactly what you need Um, And I went through the whole interview process. I actually got denied um, twice, and then I didn't give up. I text Jason, and then I saw that Rafael was speaking at at CG, so I texted Rafael, and I was like, you better refer me. Mm -hmm. So then he, I guess, said something to Jason, and Jason texted me, and he's like, little lady, you know you're very difficult to turn away. Yeah. And I'm like, really? He's like, you've had a few people refer you. So, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna schedule you with Leon. Like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's do this because I was not giving up.
0: Man, Leon's a hard ass.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Love you, Leon. I do, I do too, Leon. He said it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, um, so you wanna get in, you wanna be surrounded by people that can help you navigate this business.
1: In other ways, like not just wholesale, like what, I'm, you know, being in that room in CG, like I'm, pro- I'm not the smartest person in the room and I don't care, like mm-hmm. I don't mind, like I'm a sponge.
0: I'm excited about that.
1: I am I love it, like yeah. I'm, e- I tell everybody I'm eavesdropping in every single conversation right. that's like, <laughs> I don't care who you are, I'm eavesdropping, if you're speaking, I'm like this. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Taking notes, like I'm eavesdropping on your yeah. conversation.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think that's great, right? It's great. So then what have you gotten out of it?
1: I've definitely got out of it. Um, processes just making sure that you're aligned with what you want um set your expectations you know don't don't go for the shiny object Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to scale not everyone has to scale um and just definitely education and learning from others like you can really really shape the the where your your company's going Mm -hmm. like i'm all for education
0: yeah
1: all for it like pay for it shortcuts like it's going to really really change the narrative of anyone's business if you are if you're doing education if you're if you're taking what others are doing and applying to it, applying it to your business. like don't try to figure it out like I did.
0: Well <laughs> definitely don't do it like how April, April did.
1: <laughs> yeah don't do that. don't please don't.
0: All right, so um, you mentioned that you don't have to scale, which is something that we all struggle with because we all start like, man, you know, there's gotta be a way where I don't have to run that rat race. And then you think, man, you know, if I could just get out of the nine to five and you get into this business and you're like, scale, scale, scale. Like something happens where you're like, man, if I could just get some more free time and you get in and you sacrifice all your time, all anything you enjoy to go crazy in the business. Yeah. So what about CG has said, told you, you don't have to scale.
1: not cg itself but it's just what i want with for my 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 vision so you got
0: clarity on what you want i
1: got clarity on what i want i have a son who's my life it's my Mm -hmm. world i enjoy little things in the morning that i can do like for example like you know when i we were trying to scale in 2020 we were doing amazing but I was working more than the nine to five. Like, at one point, I'm like, I'd rather be in a nine to five. Five o'clock comes, you just check out and you don't even check emails. You don't have
0: to worry about it. You don't it. have to worry
1: about it. The weekend comes. It's like. You can
0: take a real vacation.
1: You can take a real vacation, actually yeah. turn off your phone. Yeah, that's o'clock. something
0: that, I, like, do not believe what you see on social media. Like, this idea that we can kind of, like, just turn things off. Like, as a business owner, there's no turning things off. You no. can reduce it. You can maybe check it twice that day, you know, on the beach, but you cannot.
1: We've been on Turned vacation off. and Ash is like in the in the lobby of the hotel, like negotiating a deal. Or right. like trying to help someone, like, okay, this yeah. is what I'm gonna like, I'm 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 coaching you to the through this call. I just heard yep. I just audited your call yesterday. Mm-hmm. This is what you did wrong in this call. Right. Sometimes nine to five is better. You just like check out, don't come back till Monday morning. Yeah. And that's it.
0: And I wouldn't change it for the world. I just want everyone to know <laughs> that it is not what you see on social media. It's
1: not. It's so. really not. I realized very quickly that I was drowning. I was very moody. Um, you know, I was I was 5 a.m. getting up. I had, like, this crazy schedule. Like, if, and if I didn't do it, I felt guilt. Like, mm. if I'm not up at 5 a.m., if I didn't do my affirmations, if I didn't go to the gym, if I didn't answer the calls, if I didn't do this, all before 9, I just wasted my day. Like, I'm, 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 I'm worthless.
0: I'd be one of those people that would guilt you.
1: I guilt myself. Yeah. Like, I'm very hard on myself. Um, and I just quickly realized, like, I'd rather have time with my son Mm -hmm. um i'd rather travel like now we're at a stage where like do we want to be in new york do we want to like go somewhere like stephanie said like just pick something out of the map like where do we want to go that's where like we are now and it's like do we really need to do 100k or two hundred thousand dollars a month like can we you know again we have a lean team so Mm -hmm. like with with the 75 80 or even a 50k month like i'm i'm we're okay all right and but it's like why want more you know, now my day is. I wake up. I I do. I do after. I go to the gym. But between seven thirty and ten o'clock, that's my son's time. I get him up. I make him breakfast. I can take my time with him. I'm not rushing him. I'm not saying hurry up. I have to go. I have a nine a.m. meeting. No, I can yeah. walk to school with him, holding hands. I we can we can we can skip and hop. Like I'm not <laughs> rushing him, and that's what I like. And that's yeah. what I want.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different. Um, Cause you were sharing with me uh, before the show that there was another time where you were walking a lot
1: yeah i looked at it as cardio
0: <laughs> do you want to share with that i mean the difference right <clears throat> when you're getting so, started versus where you are today
1: so we went through this insane amount of debt and thankfully ash and i were really good with like buying you know like we would buy sneakers and expensive bags so sad to say, but, like, that resale market works. Like, there was a lot of times that, like, sneakers paid our our debt, like, or paid our bills. Really? Yeah. Like, there was times that, like, I would flip a bag to, like, pay a bill off. Wow. Yeah. Like, so a lot of things have changed as far as, like, my mindset now, like, what I I spend for and whatever. But sometimes I would opt to take a cab to my office. I mean, walk to my office instead of taking a cab to save that money, to put it towards bills. And I just looked at it as – I'm just gonna shed the weight off from birth, so it's cardio. <laughs> yeah, no. I looked at it as like the positive.
0: For sure, and you kind of have to, right? When you're going through hard times, you got to put that lens on, um, and that's how we connected. Yes. Right. So um, I get to work with Ash and your team. Yes. So um, something else you talked about was credit repair. Uh. What is you want to talk about your credit repair component?
1: So. Remember I said earlier, I was kind of dabbling, dabbling in different things that I was doing while I was figuring like what real estate side I wanted to go to. So I was doing tables. Then I started kind of doing credit repair. Um, I did it for myself. I I made it happen. Oh,
0: because you had to.
1: I had to do it for myself, Worked. I did it for a few people, family members, Worked too. So I'm like, hey, like, let's make some money off of this. So I started posting about it and I got clientele and like my family would tell their friends. and. I was doing everything myself. Like at that point, those years, I didn't learn how to run a business or like, Mm. you know, don't do everything, don't wear all the hats. So I was doing it all on my own. So now, as our business model has shifted from 2020 to 2021, now we're offering more solutions to our homeowners, which includes credit repair. Why not? You know, we deal with a lot of distressed sellers that are in debt. So one of our options when we're delivering, when acquisition is delivering, what we do, we say, hey, we also do help. We do help with. We also have a credit repair department. If you or anyone is looking to fix their credit, we can take you to our sales process, but we can also, you know, include credit repair as well.
0: Is that something that's like an additional service?
1: If you are a homeowner with us that we close a deal on, no, it's free of charge. But if you are refer- referring people or now that we are doing marketing. Um, like for my old existing clients that I brought in from when I did do it, those are paid. Our homeowners, we offer that as like an incentive. So that's okay. another way to like gain the if So
0: if a home, you met with a homeowner and they sold with someone else, but they're like, April, I want you to fix my credit. What's they're getting
1: credit?
0: charged. What are you charging for that?
1: We're charging our premium package is $150. Our basic is 40 So our $150 package includes like one-on-one calls, Zooms. You also learn about real estate, how to invest your money, and how to leverage real estate as a homeowner if you want to.
0: Are you pitching within that? Acquisitions
1: pitches it in. They'll throw it in.
0: But in that training, if you're buying their house, they're going to have some cash. Are you educating them on how to be a private money lender? Yes, we are. That's we awesome. We are. love that.
1: And we also, our transaction coordinator also does it. Our transaction, our acquisitions will wheel it in, but when we do close, Mm -hmm. our transaction coordinator has to do a closing call, it's part of her Mm day-to-day. In her closing call, she offers our referral fee. If you refer anyone to us, we can pay you up to $5,000, depending on the home. We can help you with credit repair or, um, and we also get a review from them. So she can either take it verbally, they can opt to do it on Google, or they can submit it through our review form. And gotcha. she has to do that closing call for every deal, and then she does a. She also has follow up calls, so she has to follow up on closed deals and remind them that we're still buying, we can do this, and we can do that. Which in return has brought has kind of opened the referral line for us mm-hmm. to get deals, which has made
0: things more profitable.
1: Yes, so less data buying, just maximize on our referrals. Like we have we have a pretty decent amount of like leads that we're closing that are just coming through our pipeline and then leads that are coming in because they were referred by somebody.
0: And now, where is your business physically?
1: We're in New York. We still have our office, but we don't have anyone in our office. Everyone works virtually. But
0: are you still in Philly only?
1: We are in Philly. We have done deals in Maryland because it's just like fallen in our lap. Mm. Um, and we are also have done deals in Jersey. And now we're rolling in New York because I feel like I'm ready.
0: What part of New York?
1: Um we're going to do we're going to do the Bronx and Brooklyn. We're only going for like apartment buildings, multifamily because right now landlords are crying.
0: Struggling a little bit.
1: They're struggling a little bit. Yeah. So I love that. We're going to touch down on that. See now we're going to now we're ready to buy for mm. ourselves, but with CG and what we know now, now we're going to be very smart about it. Mm-hmm. And the best part about wholesale is that that's kind of the foundation for everyone. So it's like if you make that your foundation, you can get you can cherry pick your deal. Like, right. so now we're like, we're going to buy, but we're going to make sure it's the deal we want.
0: Well, that's a, the most valuable skill. We don't talk about it enough. Like we talk about wholesaling and it's cool. There's nothing wrong with it. But the most valuable skill is finding the deal. And if you're the one finding the deal. Cherry pick. You get the cherry pick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Benjamin Beck wants to know if you could have coffee with anybody you want, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Oh my God, if I can have coffee dead or alive, um, Grant Cardone.
0: (laughs) Grant Cardone.
1: I would say Grant. I just want to, you know what? He's a self-made billionaire. Like Mm -hmm. I I give him props for that. And I would just love to to pick his brain because he gets, you know, he gets a lot of shit sometimes and I don't really think he cares.
0: No, he definitely, he definitely doesn't care.
1: And I want to learn how to like be like that.
0: I mean, to me, I look at him he's almost like a twin of like Donald Trump. Don't
1: say that. (laughs) That's
0: bad. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying there are a lot of similarities, right? Super high D personalities,
1: super intense,
0: right? And they're gonna say what they're gonna say. It doesn't matter if it's completely contradictory to what they said yesterday. Like,
1: they're gonna do what they're gonna do. New Yorkish. Very New York. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, So self made billionaire. All right. Uh, Francisco Jasso wants to know how much wholesaling are you doing? How much flipping are you doing? And how much rental is in your business?
1: Uh, so as I mentioned, currently we're just strictly wholesaling. Now we're ready to- The to, safe to, to, We're We're in the safe. We <laughs> were doing the safe route. Now we're really ready to leverage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're being very smart about it. And I know specifically what we're targeting to. Like right now we, are, we have a few deals in the pipeline that mm-hmm. we're, we're massaging the sellers. And, and they can work for us as deals that we can take down. But they're like more than 10 units and up.
0: Yep. So how much- um, So you're saying 10 units, you're wholesaling?
1: Uh, yes. So it's all wholesaling right okay. now. But how
0: many transactions a month? I think it's probably what Francisco's trying Is to Is that what
1: out. he's trying to say? So we're averaging anywhere from eight to 10 monthly. I okay. mean, March, we had 15 on the pipeline, crazy numbers, and then they all blew up.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about that because no one's, I don't think enough people talk about deals blowing up.
1: Oh, so, you know, some what's going on a lot lately, what we d- noticed in our deals, we have a lot of squatters situation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of tenants that are turned into non-paying tenants. Um, we have in our market where it we're should in, be easy
0: to evict them, right? And on the East Coast.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. You no, know, their tenant laws are like no, it's not happening. So we've had a lot of deals blow up like that, where you know we we negotiate with sellers, like mm-hmm. I mean with squatters. We've done it in the past. Um, usually it works. Some of them not so much. Um, but in March we had a really we had a, we had five hundred ninety three thousand in the pipeline to close, and more than half of that like blew up Ugh. because of squatters or, and because of title situations, like titles just not clearing, which I still see there's a solution to it because obviously it's not a creative side, Mm -hmm. so we're working those deals, but squatter situations seems to be the big one for us. So
0: you mentioned earlier that there was an incident with one of the squatters.
1: Two incidents, well, yeah, they pulled out, there was a squatter situation, they pulled out guns on our our property manager and kind of scared him off a little bit. Yeah,
0: does he still work for you?
1: He does. He does still work for us. Because I think
0: I would just submit my resignation right then and there.
1: Oh, he still works for us. He still, and then Ash went down and tried to get into the house. I'm like, are you insane? Ash went to go. (laughs) Yeah, because we wanted to make the deal work. So we were like, it's a $45,000 deal. Like, we need to make this work. So he goes down. He needs to get a picture for the meter that's inside the house. And he's like, can I go in? He just offered these squatters $3,000. dollars So then he's like, can I come in? And they're like, yeah. So he comes to the car. He's like, oh, they're about to let me in. I'm like, are you insane? You just offer these guys money. Like, they're going to think that you're carrying this money cash. Mm -hmm. And there's been a few incidents in our market where investors have been beat up or things have happened. So I was like, absolutely not. You're not getting in that house. And that deal blew up and it was $45,000 spread.
0: Yeah. Scary.
1: Yeah. And a gun pulled out on us.
0: Right. Okay. So... You said there was two of them. What was the other incident?
1: Um, our guy got harassed. That was on our first first run, so he got harassed. Um, almost got beat up, but not so much. It, it was okay. And
0: this is in Philly or it is this this New York? is Philly. It's Philly. All right. Sorry,
1: guys. <laughs> Don't come to my market.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, Mark Wynn wants to know, what company are you using for cold calling now?
1: I re- manage my own callers.
0: In-house. In-house. And what are your KPIs? What are the, maybe three or five core KPIs you measure?
1: Um, offers submitted daily. Um, how many leads are being contacted, offers submitted daily, how many um, who we are we're sending, um, that's most importantly, and how many dials are acquisitions doing. But most importantly is my offers daily. I need minimum 10 offers a day out, whether it's verbally or sending it in an offer letter.
0: All right. And then uh, Mark's follow-up question is how do you produce leads?
1: How do we produce a lead?
0: Where do you get your what, what what are your top two or three primary lead sources?
1: Um, we are using we use PropStream, we buy data from list source and then we also scrape the county. So county websites. I've built, I've hired someone overseas and they um scrape the websites for me, back end it.
0: Yeah, that no, definitely works. Uh, so Synafinis And then we stack
1: it. Smart. But it's got to the point where now I feel like we own all the data. Like there's only so much data you can buy in your market until you own it. So like my callers cannot tell me there's no deed. Like I'm like, I'm, right now in our Zen call, we have 183,000 leads. You cannot tell me that there's no data. If you haven't submitted 183,000 leads, keep dialing.
0: <laughs> we had, um, let's see, it was 2019, beginning of 19. Uh, myself, Jesse Burrell, and Jared Vidalis, we bought the list for the entire county.
1: <laughs> so, and it's like, what else are you to do? Yeah,
0: so we got 450,000 records, skip traced. Um, oh my
1: God, What a bill. <laughs> Did you, did you skip trace it all at once?
0: Well, that was the way to get it to the lowest price possible.
1: Oh, you had to bulk it.
0: We bulked it. Uh, I think we split 28000 for everything. Right? It's not bad. It's not Three bad. Three ways.
1: No, that's not bad.
0: Um, all right. So Nathan wants to know, how much pro- net profit do you make per year?
1: Um, So last year, we did 765000 total.
0: That was gross or profit? That was gross. Gross. What did you end up walking away with?
1: We walked away with five twenty
0: right. And then uh, his follow-up, his or her follow-up question is, are you the owner of the business?
1: Yes, I am. With my partner. We're both, we're partners in the business. Who is? Ash, my significant other. Yep. Yeah. And head acquisitions.
0: Yep. Uh, Alejandro wants to know, if you're 23 again, what would be the first thing you would do with the knowledge you have now?
1: Definitely not do um, ground up. Deals. Um, I would pay for education. I, yeah. That money that I had, where I was doing real estate, at realtor, and I was making decent money, I would have found a really good, good education course. So the money you made, I would, leasing,
0: re- re- leasing in New York, and you know, apply that towards education.
1: Applied it towards education, hundred percent.
0: And that's really easy to say that now, with the wisdom you have now. But what was your thought back then when someone says, "Hey, April, how would you like for me to teach you everything I know, and I, I would charge to you?" YouTube. Yeah, I'll teach you. I'll charge you thirty thousand. I'll teach you everything I know.
1: I would say I'm going to YouTube University.
0: And I had that same problem too, right? Like it's that we need to get smacked around to get the humility, right? Because I remember people, I was like, "Why would you go to these conferences and pay twenty five, thirty thousand? I would rather just lose twenty five, thirty thousand learning it the hard way." That was my mindset when yeah. I first started.
1: That was. And Mine's too.
0: Yeah, but that was not the right mindset. It was mindset. not the right mindset at all, <laughs> at all.
1: Um, and also with YouTube, you know, not everything that works for someone's going to work for you. So on YouTube, I'm listening, listening or watching 10 different people who are saying, do cold call. No, do direct mail. No, do it this way. Do it that way. Send a yellow postcard. Make sure your, your envelope is colored. Put coffee stains on it. Have your kid draw on it. So mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, which one works for mm-hmm. your market? So it's yeah. like that would have definitely changed a lot. One of them definitely works. One of them works. But also it's what works in your market. Not everything yeah. that works in one market is going to work for yours. Like some people, you know, in, 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 in the Midwest, people love to talk. Homeowners mm. love to talk. In New York, you tell the seller, I have money. They'll be like, so? I have money too. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Yeah. What, wh- who, what company do you work for? I'm, one of them was like, I'm Googling you right now. What's the name of the company? Like they're very, you know, it's, that's New York market. It's aggressive. Very
0: direct. Yeah, we were talking because... Um... New York or Phoenix, you know, everyone's used to being cold called for for years. They're used to getting cold called. And uh, one of our buddies was like, yeah, I just moved to Alabama. And like, they're so nice. You know, it's like, I, this isn't him, but I hope you find him.
1: Like, that's not him, but I think you have the wrong number. You know, you try this. Like, it's insane.
0: <laughs> totally different profile. Yeah. Um. And then let's see who else is there. Okay, so you mentioned earlier creative finance. So Andrew's question is, do you offer a step two? So let's talk about how you apply creative to your transactions.
1: So again, that kind of fell on my lap. Um, Remember, as I said, I left that partnership and I left with a a list of dead deals. But Mm -hmm. I felt like there was something that could be done with them because I had heard Uncle Carl and Dave Day on on podcast. So they kind of fell into our lap where I learned... You know, we can take, we we can, we can have a property deeded over to us or we can have a power of attorney so we can negotiate the debt. Mm-hmm. Or there's actually investors that would buy deals with debt if that, those are the type of buyers. So it just, we, we look at the deals. We see now it's like no lead left behind. I kind of coined that last year. Uh-huh. Sorry, Phil. Um, and it's, we look at a deal. It's case by case. If this avenue doesn't work, will this avenue work? And we subject twos come with it. Like we've sold lots, we've sold homes with subject twos with debt on them. And there's a buyer for everything. Like I believe there's a buyer for everything.
0: Um, who's Phil? Phil Green. Mm. That's what he says too?
1: No, he said, uh we, we were we had a meeting once and I was like, No lead left behind and then we kind of like both just we were like, Who coined it first? That was kind of like our inside joke with him.
0: Mm, gotcha. Yeah, Phil Green waiting for him to come on the show.
1: Oh, he's amazing because I have his I right now in CG like I have his 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 like voice in like my head.
0: Yeah. He's um.
1: he's a monster.
0: Yeah. He's in a really amazing person
1: and, and a very competitive market. And because of him, we've actually transitioned where like now we're hiring people in America, like it's remote, hmm. but we're hiring in America. Like we're not just focusing on. Overseas people in the Philippines or South America. Yeah, as That's for the
0: guys, I don't know who we're talking about. It's another guy in Collective Genius.
1: Yes, Collective Genius. Family. Uh, he's doing
0: thirty plus transactions a month in San Diego, and he's making stupid amount of money per flip. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, I would be happy to make that on one of my flips. He's and making that on average.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. And his and his um COO. He's like, you remember that event where like we blew us all away with yeah, his Eric- presentation.
0: Yeah, Eric is... is He's
1: a monster too.
0: He's ridiculous. It's crazy. Super sharp guys.
1: Yeah, very sharp.
0: All right. So uh, so you're only lean. So with your business being lean now, what was your overhead when it was crazy? What's your overhead now?
1: So we went from having an overhead of about 40 to, 40, 40 to 45,000, and that was including people. And I include also my marketing because our number one marketing is cold calling. So that okay. includes our people. Um, it got to a point where I had a team of 12 cold callers. I mean it was insane. So, we've narrowed it down to now we just have very 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 lean departments. We have three acquisitions, we have our transaction coordinator, we have two dispos and then we have our cold callers. And our cold calling, the way we pay them, it completely has changed. Like I expect a certain amount of leads per person. Like you you'll have you'll be at your price point, your averagely weight. but if you're not delivering X amount of leads it goes down. So it's like what you get paid what you're delivering. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes for acquisitions.
0: Yeah. It was really interesting. Uh, Haim was on the show a long, long time ago. And he said that. He said, like, basically, like, yeah, they're hourly if the results are there. Yeah. Right? Like, you deliver these results, you will get paid your promised wage.
1: Yeah. So if you are- And it's not like it's commission.
0: It's just if you don't do what you're hired to do, I'm not paying you you what I promised.
1: Exactly. Like, I'll start you at eight. You have to bring me a minimum of 20. Now, if, yeah. you hit, if, you're at, if you hit from 12 to 15, it goes down to six. And if you hit below that, you're going back to training, which is four. Yeah. So you decide what you want to get paid. All right. It's all up to I put it up to them. And same thing goes with acquisitions now. Like Before, I would have our lead manager submit end-of-the-day reports. Now, our acquisitions have to submit their own uh, end-of-the-day reports. So it's like no one wants to write that email that you didn't do your job or right. didn't hit your calls. I want to see your offers in. Where they are at, where they're standing, and and your call audits and calls are audited every single day. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Who's auditing the calls?
1: <clears throat> lead manager and Ash. He get he gets he they cherry pick um, calls. So we'll ran, I'll have our lead manager randomly pick calls for every department. It's submitted end of the day. He listens to them. He has to submit his report by nine a.m.
0: Uh, one thing we're looking to do. I think next month either the next month or July is one of our action items Cause we can't, we got so many freaking things going on. We can't do it all at once. I know. So it was, I can't remember we're doing it next month or the month after that. We're hiring a VA whose sole job is just to listen calls all day. That's it. Like there's no like cherry picking, <clears throat> like, well, maybe there's some cherry picking, but like instead of listening to like five calls, they're going to listen to calls literally all day, all day. Right. And then they're going to rate them. And you know, if people are being monitored, they know,
1: Oh, <laughs> they gonna, know. They're going to do better. See, we're not. We're we have our girl. She'll do like a, mo- a morning call, afternoon, and a midday and an afternoon call, midday afternoon. So she'll just rand pick calls from like every, and it has to be a five minute and over call. Mm-hmm. But trust me, they know it's being audited because we've come back with like, why did you say that? If clearly that that wasn't what he was looking for, so they know that it's being audited and it's audited every single day because that email goes out and everyone cc'd on it.
0: Right. Um, I'm trying to go through these apparently we've got some spammer bots here. So congratulations. It's the first episode where we have uh, these trading people.
1: Trading people? In <laughs> oh, the wow. chat box. What, crypto? <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. <laughs> so oh
1: man, they made their way to Facebook. They
0: made it. Uh, uh, this is this is YouTube live. So YouTube. too. Con- congratulations. Um, so what is your why? What's pushing you today?
1: My son, um, more time with him. I don't want to I don't want to have, like, I was, the way we were going was like that super New York, 99% of the time, your your son is with, like, a babysitter. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Like, I want my son to have time with me. So like, that's a New York? Well, it's not a New York thing, but it, like New York, like we, we we just grow up to like you have to work and hustle. Like if you're not doing that, like what are you doing? Like you're lazy. It's either you're hustling and, and hustling 100%, or you're like you're lazy. You're a bum. <laughs> or you're a bum. Um, so it's like I'm always feeling that, and I was always kind of like you know like kind of like beating myself up because it's like if I'm not working 12 hours, like I'm not that wasn't productive. If I didn't work, start working at X amount a day and complete all of this, like
0: I didn't know that's the way it was in New York.
1: Yeah right. it's it's a very hustle hustle and bustle type of city.
0: I mean, I know it was a hustle bustle and like they never sleep, but man, I had no idea that you were being judged.
1: Well, it's not really you judge yourself. You gotcha. judge yourself. It's you know, everyone you're everyone's out grinding, like you're grinding. So yeah. it's like if you're not doing it, then yeah, you're a bum. Hmm.
0: Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now?
1: Uh, so I told you earlier, we came back from CG December twenty twenty. And conversation with Phil, conversation with a few people. They're like, you, you know, like we need, I need to focus on a few different things. So right now we've kind of been transitioning our company from like only having like people overseas to building out, having more Americanized people. So like the people that are touching my data, my homeowners, like I want them to be more experienced. High caliber. High caliber. So Hiring really good people, but not having to have 20 people on, on staff. Like, really, right. one or two really good people in departments can go a long way. Um, so, building out our SOPs, making sure our onboarding process is dialed in. So, like, there's uh, 30 days into the into the uh, onboarding process, like, we've set the expectations. You're clear of what the expectations are. There's no gray area. And, like, this is what we expect. Like, no joke. Um, so, we just kind of been... Swifting things around. We brought in Axe Credit, the, doing credit repair to offer that. So, offering more solutions, maximizing on our data so that we're not spending a lot.
0: Who's creating the SOPs?
1: I create them myself. It's
0: impressive. That's, that's a struggle I think every entrepreneur has. I've right? actually
1: shared it with a few of our, our CG people. Yeah. Yeah, like signed, like just shared our, my Asana workspace with them. And some of them have given me good feedback. I'm like, thank you. It took six months to build out, but. Oh, that's awesome. It's still. It's still Still adding more stuff. Well, but it's
0: never—it's gonna be a never-ending work in progress. It's
1: never gonna. Yeah, I learned that. I'm like, I'm always gonna move things around. Yeah. But yeah, building that out.
0: What is your superpower?
1: I think my superpower is that I can have a vision and I can kind of put it, to piece it together. It and you know, it might not all work, but I'm gonna figure it out. I'm going to get it to work because I don't accept anything but um, success or making it work.
0: Um. So for those that are just starting, who would you recommend to become their mentor? This is from Perla Ganderilla, Ganderia.
1: Um, who would I recommend right now? I mean, there's a few programs on, 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 on uh, people that are doing, you know, like selling courses. I feel like just do what, what, look at what you want, like what model you wanna go, if you wanna do rentals, if you wanna do wholesale. And just pick the person that you kind of click with and connect mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah. And that the mastermind that speaks to you, honestly, I can't right. really decide who like, if the ones that existed kind of like the ones that I did back then still existed, like Carlos and Sa I would say those, but I don't even think they're, they're doing it anymore. I think yeah. they only do like really um, exclusive clients now.
0: Um, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what their model is, but I, 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 I would definitely, you know, second that part about finding someone that resonates with you. Yes. Um, And then uh, someone's asking, do you, do you guys record your option contracts? No, we don't. And is there a reason for that?
1: Uh, I just, we don't, I don't force, I don't force sellers or homeowners to make decisions, you know, like at the end of the day, we're strictly wholesaling. Um, you know, we do mention that we are, if we don't, it doesn't work for us, we're going to sell it or, you know, so we can find someone for it. But I don't, I like to do good by people. And that's another thing. Like I'm, you know, I don't, I want to bring our values, so Mm. I'm not going to force a seller or homeowner. To, to sell it a property if they don't want to. So no, we've never done it. I've never had to, and I don't think I ever will, unless it's like a deal. Like if it's like an apartment building that we're trying to take down for us, then yeah. But other than that, no.
0: Gotcha. Um, and then Mark Wynn wants to know, you had $8,000 to start in a new market. What are your first steps with the new 8K, or with the $8,000?
1: Um. So first I would find out if you can like get Data from the county for free. Um, or if you can, you know, go on Fiverr and find someone. If you're if that your county website can be scraped, then I would get data. Um, depending if you want a cold call or not, if you want to maximize on your time, just find really good, a really good cold caller, one or two that can have that experience to to turn your leads around. Um, and then just make sure you're there to hound the lead after when it's submitted and 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 make the offers and make offers. Make offers all day, every day. Yeah. Ten offers a day. 50 offers a week should get you one or two deals. I mean, it really should.
0: Definitely, if you're putting out offers, you will definitely get deals. What is the greatest lesson you've learned?
1: <sighs> greatest lesson I've learned is just make sure that you, you're you understanding what you're jumping in. Don't do what I did. Don't just like swing the hammer and just hope for the best. I wanted to go all in and I was just like, F it. Like I'm gonna do it and I'll figure it out as it goes, but mm. that didn't work out so well. So definitely, definitely like just realize what you want to do and make sure that you are, are ready and, and don't, don't do a gut job.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the reason why you're successful is that you believe you can do anything, right? You have unlimited ability, right? You got unlimited confidence, which is a great asset. You just don't have to tackle the world <laughs> on step one.
1: Yeah. Basically <laughs> don't Let's do it.
0: Get, get there in seven, eight, nine, ten 10 steps. Exactly. Right. Uh, Samuel wants to know what is the best CRM
1: now Salesforce. <laughs> Two years ago, I would have said Podio, but yeah. not so much anymore. Salesforce. Uh, we part of CG. We are. Um, we're all transitioning. I think everyone's transitioning over to Salesforce now.
0: Yeah, who else talks? About, they're like, should I do Salesforce? It's like all the cool people are doing it.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> now that I've seen it, I'm like I can't even look at Podio. Like we're still working on Podio, and it like it annoys me. Yeah. Like Stephanie says, like we can't predict what's going on. And it's, right. like, now with Salesforce, they can't submit, like, they can't click out of a lead unless, like, tabs are, like, clicked on. And I right. love that because Acquisitions always forgets to notate or tag the damn account. Yep. So now, like, just can't get off the page until they do it. And I love that. <laughs>
0: um, so the next question is, favorite, best, or most interesting failure? I'm guessing probably Philly. Uh, the first flip in Philly. But is there anything else?
1: No. Surprisingly, that's my Best best lesson. It was my big. It was my. It was the hardest thing I've ever went through. But it, it taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it taught me that if I put my mind into anything, I can do. Like it also taught me like to believe in faith. Like I really went through like some heavy stuff, and mm-hmm. I prayed a lot um, that we were gonna overcome it, and and we did. You did. And we did.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. Again, we've said this multiple times, but it's not all rainbows and unicorns.
1: No, it's not.
0: Uh, but uh, there's going to be a lot of suffering, but it's worth it.
1: It's worth it. It's worth it.
0: Yeah. Is there a book you've gifted more than any other?
1: You know, when I got sent this list of questions, I was like, damn, I haven't, I haven't given a gift. To, I haven't given a book. <laughs> so I haven't given a book. I would say I give a book to moms <sighs> called um, 12 Hours by 12 Weeks, which helps a kid sleep, like gets, you, gets your child to, in a sleeping pattern mm-hmm. so that you can work and do more. So that's probably the only book I am really I think hard. that's great. Yeah, I deal. There's a lot of moms in the industry that I, 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 yeah. I, I deal. I so work with. say it again. It's 12 hours by 12 weeks,
0: 12 hours by 12 weeks.
1: And it's gotcha. a mom book, well, mom CEOs.
0: It's a mom book, but I will probably add to this. Uh, and maybe it's not a good idea for husbands to do it. But if you're dealing with a wife who can't sleep, this is a good book for a husband, not to give to the wife, because that can sometimes get you in trouble. Just leave it on the coffee table.
1: You know what? It's actually a really good book because it teaches you to teach your two month old kid how to go on a schedule. So yeah. it's actually teaching you it's it works on its best because it's right. teaching you to put systems and processes together and figure it out. Yeah. So I so, would definitely recommend that book. Yeah. So
0: I think that's a great book. It's never been suggested on the show before, but I think that's a fantastic book. Yeah. I wanted
1: to resonate and speak to moms because I am a mom and I'm always struggling with working too much mom life, working too much mom life.
0: You're not alone. Yeah. I know a lot of really powerful, strong women in the industry. Uh, and this is something that, and even something that I I go with back and forth. with My wife, she's like, you know, like how much is too much and so on. So you're not alone. I think that's a great, great book. Um, think about what you want to leave the listeners with while I make a couple of quick announcements.
1: Um,
0: guys, if you got value today, please like subscribe, share, comment on this. It helps us a lot. (coughs) Um, next week we got Gary Harper who is a great, great friend and someone that helped me kind of see the stupid things that I was doing. So really helped me fix <laughs> my business in a big way. Uh, so he's going to be here next Wednesday. And then we do have our, uh, our sales training event June 11th. If you're interested, send me a DM. Um, last thoughts.
1: All I want to say is, you know, you, when you're going through this career, you're going to hit a lot of bumps. And it's going to scare you and it might make you want to stop and not do it. And it's like, do it don't if that's your why if you want to if you want to if you want to move forward don't take the chance but be very smart about it don't do what i did don't go into a gut job get education like if you can afford it if you have money and you're deciding like that question $8000 like what should i do get the education that's going to na- that's going to help you get into that you know don't just jump into it take the education get educated yeah That's 100%. It's going to shortcut you. It's going to help put everything together. And in the long run, it actually work more than trying to just figure it out and like take that eight grand and like go buy data, do this, do that. Like you're still gonna be in circles.
0: Well, you see this, right? And people buy data. It's like, oh, you know, I I can invest in coaching or I can invest in data. And it's like, okay, so go do whatever you think is best. But I know if you go invest that data, that's great. Maybe you'll figure it out. Or maybe not. How much you would have said, like what if you bought the wrong data? We bought the data from the wrong place. What if you take that data and it's old or you don't know how to leverage it? And by the time you figure it out, the it's data is late. useless. There you go. Right? So, but we don't tell people what to do, right? Just yeah, kind of let don't.
1: them But definitely education, guys. I think everyone here gets and says the same thing yeah. education. There's a reason why we're all saying it. Don't reinvent it. Get
0: yeah, there's educated. no one that's been in the show that's like, yeah, I figured this all on my own.
1: No, get educated. <laughs> I tried to and saw how that ended up.
0: Yeah. Uh, how can someone get a hold of you?
1: Um, You can reach me, April at com. My my Instagram, which is pretty hard to type. um, So if you want to put it on the notes. And um, I'm on Facebook. I'm all over Facebook. April Molina. What
0: was the handle?
1: Um, It's it's so hard to, it's A-P-P-R-R-I-I-I-L-L. I need to change it.
0: All right. I'm giving that one up. <laughs> All right.
1: I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to change. I'm going to feel like Ape, the real April Molina or something. I don't know. Yeah.
0: All right. So guys, again, if you have value, please like, comment, subscribe. Thank you guys for watching.
1: Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh my God. Thank you. It's a blast. My hands were shoddy. Thank you. <laughs>